Welcome to Born to Hustle. This is Roham Carrion. I'm here interviewing David Chavez, right? David Chavera. Yeah, David Chavera. All right, awesome. So he's a sound engineer. He's been in the industry for how many years, would you say? Uh, let's see. I've been producing music since maybe 21. So I'm 30 now, so nine years. Nine years? Yeah. yeah. Did that actually flew by? Did you feel those nine years? I mean, more or less, what would you say? How was your experience in the industry? Uh, you know... I feel it, but I only feel it like, oh, I'm 30. Like, <laughs> the ba you know, the back pain, the, you know, the wear and tear of life. But um, I, so I, I'm an independent music producer, so I really don't have the experience of, like, working with XYZ famous person and famous studio. But I do more so independent um, thanks to the internet. Uh, a lot of my doing, a lot of my sales and operations is online. And... Um, it kind of flew by, and so I I don't I don't think of it like in terms of I it it's easy to to see how how it fast how fast it flew by, but then I'm reminded that I've been doing it for a while when I work with other people, and then the way my techniques are now they're really polished, and when people say things, and I'm able to jump in and then explain them, I'm like oh. I've been doing this for a while, actually. Oh, man. And, and let me ask you a question, because sure. getting into the music industry, I will not pretend I know much about it, but I know that it's really hard to get into, let alone stay into it. So I'm curious, dude, like what ignited you to even begin that like that hustle? Yeah. Uh, you know, depression. Depression? depression. <laughs> Legit? <laughs> yeah, depression. Um Let's see, when I was like, uh, what, 22, I got my heart broken, like most young men. And, um, <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> yeah, I got my heart broken and, uh, I needed to do something healthy because you and I, you know, there's a bunch of unhealthy things you could do. And, uh, music, I, so I, I have a background as a musician as a kid. I played clarinet, saxophone, a few instruments and in band, but I'd never really, uh, got into like, making music like I do now it was kind of by accident and depression is really what helped me rediscover it I I bought a little drum machine uh, it's a software by Native Instruments and a, and a keypad and I just started making these horrendous beats that now that I look back and listen to I'm like oh what was I thinking but it helped me at the time and continue continually music has been something that has helped me with my challenges that I face in my life and Eventually, it got to a point where I started making money by selling my beats online, and then I really got into uh, working with clients because rap music, I mean, I thank God for rap every day. That rap music has has helped me so much. I mean, I like all types of music, but rap. Um, that's, I mean, what about rap specifically that really, like, ignites it? Like, is it the style that is more like your preference, or is it the way it's portrayed as an art? Or, like, what is it specifically about rap music that really, like, gives you going? Man, that's a... Uh, there's so many There's so many ways to answer. Uh, I, I mean, would... Let's, uh, ta let's talk about associated with the uh, depression. Like, let's talk okay. about mentally and, and how it made you feel emotionally. And then we'll tackle it, expand it from there. Yeah, I... So, a good friend of mine once said something about the... As humans, we, we all have this excess energy that 
throughout the day. And so what helps me, what I really love about rap is it it just speaks to my soul and helps me express that energy. And there are songs that, and, and I, I don't know the science behind this, there are songs I listen to that are so degenerate in nature. They say things that are not my life, um, but and I'm not even about that life, but I hear that song and then that energy I have, maybe the stress of the day, maybe the hatred I had for a former boss or something, you know, I hate traffic, whatever. Uh, it helps me let that all out. And then I, I'm a naturally shy person, but when I hear some of these songs, like I'll start head bopping and then I'll start dancing and then I'll start freestyling and then so on and so forth. It just becomes a whole thing. Okay, that's beautiful. So that's just just wanted to understand it because I mean I like rap myself, yeah. but I'm I'm Puerto Rican. We're more about the reggaeton. So it's like, I okay. mean, many of us may or may not disagree, but sometimes it feels like it's rap, but in Spanish. I feel that I, every yeah, now and I then, like that. not all the songs, of course, but yes. And I mean, the only thing I would say is that I do like it because it it feels like the vibe, like you're yeah. you're following the vibe with the individual compared to an original song where you're just enjoying the lyrics and you're enjoying the it feels like it's a story rather than actually portraying it feels more connected to the individual yeah i don't know if you agree or disagree with that and um you practicing i mean how long like you started initiating this how long did it took you before you started being able to monetize oh, it forever forever and it's still something that i'm working on it's still like i i don't want to make any claims that i'm like a guru because i'm not uh, or that I've achieved incredible. I, mean, I still have a day job, but um, it it came about when I started actively trying to build a, an audience, a community. Mm -hmm. And I, I I'm a huge nerd, and I've been reading I've been reading for many years, like marketing books and book after book, all the the ones that they recommend all entrepreneurs. But then I really actually started wanting to connect with the people that were following my Instagram and my socials. So I noticed that when I started showing love to the artists, when I started genuinely, not not just going in and making those dumb spam comments that everybody does on Instagram, but going in, listening to their music, and then putting it on my Spotify and like actually hearing what people were what people were putting out as artists who were already following me and engaging with me, I like really internalized that. I started saying to myself in the shower, my community, these are my people. And like I started really um, associating myself with them, even though they're in Switzerland or Germany or wherever. And um, that's when, so when I started making that connection, my music naturally started adopting their elements and people like buying from people. So then they naturally started buying from me and so on and so forth. It became like a referral kind of deal, like mouth to mouth and stuff like that. I, yeah. I, can, I can understand that. Like it, it really changes the game when it, like emotionally speaking, you are involving your work and you're not just doing it like a like a job. You're not just doing it like a task because uh, I, I can completely understand that. So you basically tailored your music and you tailored everything down to your community. And because of that, over time before you knew it, you somehow initiated monetizing it. Were you even thinking about making money from this industry at all or were you just doing it out of the passion? No, I definitely wanted to make money. I definitely, <laughs> I you know, I, I have a day job and I, and I, and I like my career, but, but music's where my heart's at. And I, I really want to get to the point where that's what I do. And then maybe even beyond music and once I have financial stability with that, I would like to go into more advocacy work, actually. Um, but, yeah, I, I would like to monetize more. You're a sound engineer, correct? 
Yeah, so I, that's it. I, I guess the it's hard to say because as a producer, you wear so many hats, or anybody in music wears so many hats, so it's hard to like identify. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess more accurately, I'm a music producer. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, just asking because I was gonna ask you like, now that you've been in the hustle, you have the ignition, you have the, you've been doing it for quite some time. I was wondering like, what would be the next step? Like, what would you, what is the vision right now that you would say in order for you to grow? Yeah, I well. I think two two part answer. Um, one is I want to invest more in my video editing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I recently, or maybe not so recently, came to the terms that music is just one side of the creative. Kind of going back to that wearing many hats thing, uh, with all the social media and all the platforms, all the visual platforms we have, it's really not enough to just be a painter or, in this case, be a musician. Um, I really wanted to add more visuals. And when I hear songs, just as the everyday consumer, whether it's jazz or rock, or but especially hip-hop and instrumentals, like I feel like I see colors. Maybe not literally, but like I, I'll challenge myself. I'll be like, oh, that song right there is like a poppy, bright blue. It's colorful, you know. And so I want to try to find a way to translate that to my music. I'm currently learning Adobe After Effects. I really thought I could learn it in like a day, mm -mm. <laughs> but I can't. Dude, I've been using Adobe Creative Cloud for the last two years, and there's still so much to learn. So hard. And the thing is, Adobe keeps updating it. They they're, they're keep doing different softwares. Adobe is awesome. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of uh, Adobe Podcast? No, no. Some people even use it not even for podcasting. They're just using it to segregate sounds. So oh. like like let's just say you're singing, and let's just say let's just say for some reason you're a startup business and you're doing it in your garage, like yeah. for example. Some people are using Adobe Podcast to remove the background noise in order for them to just have their music, and then you will make the post-production easier afterwards. I have no idea. You see what I'm telling yeah, you? So here, smart. And we're talking about Adobe. You probably have a subscription with them, more or less, right? Yeah. And you didn't even know about that. And then the thing is, I've been having it for these two years, and I'm still learning. Like, like I, I go to Illustrator sometimes. I'm like, oh, so that's what that tool is for. Or like, oh... So that's how you use that that filter, and and the thing is, you want to enhance your music, right? So yeah. I'm assuming you also create the cover art, right? Yeah, I yeah yeah. That's another hat right there. Yeah. So and and I don't know if you use do you use Adobe or do you use a a different software? My so my cover stuff is is even more basic. I um there's an app on phones I use. It's called Prequel, and I think it's there's a free version, but I pay like ten dollars a month to use it, and uh, it just has these effect filters that I really like. And I'm really kind of obsessed with the 90s, you know, when people had camcorders, VHS. Mm -hmm. I'm really kind of obsessed with that. So I, I use that for a lot of my cover arts. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's another hat right there that you're doing. Um, you're creating the cover art and um, sound production. That's a very interesting industry. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, what would you say right now since you've been doing this for nine years, right? And what is an advice that you would give yourself after all this time? Let's just say you, when you were 22, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one week into doing this, what would be your advice? Be patient. Be patient? Be patient. How come? I'm curious about that because, I mean, obviously everything takes patience, but, like, what kind of patience? Like, are you talking about patient or, like, be genuinely patient? Yeah, like, a little bit of both. Maybe more of the second one because... <laughs> um. I, there are people who have different trajectories 
music and art in general mm-hmm. is just a non-linear um, progression. It's not like if you were working in, I, I mean, I guess I, I don't want to diminish anybody's skill set or whatever, mm-hmm. but it, it just feels especially with art because you do need a certain level of technical competency mm-hmm. um, in all of it, even if you're a sculptor, pottery, but there's also with with something like music where it's really felt, where it's this not a tangible product necessarily. It's it exists in pressure and sound waves, and um, it has to be emotional. It has to make that connection. Oh, and, I, I can I, I'm kind of like understanding right now what you mean because there's a few songs that I can think about that they actually connect to me, like yeah. the tonality and the way the background noise, the way it synchronizes, like it really stuck to my head. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're trying to achieve, right? Like where they listen to it and then it just really resonates with the listener right away rather than just listening to a song. Because some songs, they listen it, it doesn't resonate, and they just click next. Yeah. So I can see what you mean. So that's what you mean by, oh, that, and yeah. more or less, how much time would you say that would take? Like a guesstimate, like I know everything is always a depends. There's right. never a gritting, uh, a white and black answer, like, I, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even think I've achieved it yet. Although some people will say, you know, some people, I'm my own harshest critic. So I, I, I have people that like, they love my music. They, they tell me all these nice things, but I feel like I haven't yet. So I couldn't, I couldn't say well, what I will say is that, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It, it, I, that's why even I'm telling myself now, be patient. I, I keep thinking to, um, you know, that famous painter Van, Van Gogh. The Van Gogh, um, the Starry Night. Yeah, I never heard of him. Continue. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the, um, the um, he died, and it was like a good sixty years before people were like, "Oh yeah," and they saw the value. And now he's like one of the most renowned painters of all time. Hopefully that doesn't happen here. Hopefully that doesn't happen to anyone. But <laughs> I, I can see what you mean. Hopefully you. Good on him, but you don't want to relate. You know. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we have social media. Hopefully something. You know. Um, you know what? Something about it is like not that social media is a thing. Um, I know I have no idea what it means to be someone in your position before social media even was a thing. I, I believe maybe it was even harder. So now that you're connecting with your like your community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, more or less, when did that started? Out of the nine years into the business, we know what ignites it. I know what keeps you going. I know that you wanted to monetize it. We more now we know that. If you can go back in time and tell him, hey, you know, younger me, like, David, be patient. Yeah. What was the part that initiated the community? Like, I feel like that was a big point of transformation for you. Yeah. Um, I think in the past three years, I really started uh, working on, well, so my my day job, my, my, my career outside of music is I've been in B2B sales, business to business sales. And for the first, so I've been in it for six years. In the first four years, all I did for large companies, large, wealthy, successful companies, was I was cold calling and cold emailing and really trying to get a hold of business leaders who could potentially use our product. Mm -hmm. So translation, I was interrupting their day. I was trying to stand out amongst all the spammers and talk to them within the 30 seconds they were on the phone with me to like, hey, please meet my sales colleague because this product can really advance your business. Not that many people want to do that, but that's kind of what I'm good at. And uh, that profession is blood, sweat, and tears. You can make a lot of money. 
And so I don't personally have a $10,000 budget to hire. Um, I, I, I mean, you could outsource for much less people who would go on social media and find artists and um, talk to them and so on and so forth. But um, what I what I started doing was, okay, this is what I do for my day job. I'm going to go on social media now. Instagram's my main platform. And I'm going to look at the hashtags. I'm going to see where on the internet my ideal client hangs out. And I'm going to organically reach out to them. I'm going to interact with them. And it's blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, it's there. It's a slow process. But every now and then you start to meet and organize. You say, okay, this person is starting out. You could hear it in their music. You see it in their following numbers. You see it in their art. They're not as mature yet. But I still resonate. I genuinely resonate with what they're saying, with where they're at in life, with who they are or who they're portraying. So I'm going to follow. I'm going to show love. I can't follow everybody. But if I don't follow, I show love. I'll email them. Sometimes they'll put their email or I'll find someone. This person has 10,000 followers. I really like this person's art. I'm just going to send them beats. And that's another thing with music. And when I was first starting out, I was so guarded. Like nobody, I don't want nobody to steal my music. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I face that issue myself when I start becoming a business owner myself. So, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Not only with just people outside, but also with my family. Didn't want anybody to know my business. I very secretive, very just like I like everything cold. Yeah. Just <laughs> for the sake of like, well, if he tells me no, like it doesn't matter. You know, we'll move on with our lives. But if I told it to my best friend and he says no, but I'm going to see him on a barbecue next Friday. Yeah. That's a different story, you know? So I know exactly what I feel that's spiritually. When you said that, it resonated with you. I was like, yes, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, and it took a lot of bravery. I don't know if you have, but I have to. I went through a little journey just to, like, finally be out there, friends and family included. Yeah. Like, that was a – I feel like uh, many people don't talk about this. Reaching out to their friends and family, especially when it's your business, and, and it gets – it's just a different animal. It's it's it's, it's more because on the quotes, it just depends on the individual. For for me, I can do what you can: business to business, cold yeah. calling, cold emails. Because I can take rejection and I can move on. We can both do so because I understand their point of view and I understand my point of view. My point of view is, I do have something that I want to offer you. And their point of view is, I just want to get to the day, mind my own business, and. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one telling you we can elevate your business. Like yeah. that gets that pitch gets old. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you have to very and that's why I like about social media, they get to know you on a personal level and understand that that you're not just among another individual, but it gets to know you down like who you are. And I feel like that leverages more as a business owner nowadays, especially you producing music. Now you have something to interact and tailor with compared to just doing it cold. Because if you're doing it cold, realistically, who are you tailoring with? Yeah, that's true. Because if you tailor to the general market, um, if there's something that I've learned in business is, I'll give you an example, CNC. Mm. You know what that is? They they basically make custom parts out of metal. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. Like they, they use machines and stuff like that. There's CNC companies that they're, say, we're a general CNC machinist. That's cool. That's awesome. You can do a lot of cool stuff. Technically, you would have assumed that you will get more customers because of that. Not necessarily. Yeah. You need to be tailored just a little bit. Not saying that you shouldn't be generalized, 
but they should find a specialty and now you're getting more clientele because you're tailoring yourself to a specific industry or specific sector or specific type of customer. And because of that alone, you're going to get that consistency. If you're very generalized, nobody's going to find you. Because let's just say you're a, I'll give you an example, Toyota. Toyota has a plant here in San Antonio. and It's awesome. But when they look for outsourcing, they're looking specializations. They're looking for something specific. They're not just looking for a company that says, oh, we do everything. Cool. Well, I'm looking for maybe something for the frame of the car. We're looking for a C-machinist that can actually make the, the tie or whatever it's actually called to actually specifically make for something for cars. So they're getting down to the niche. Yeah. And you having a community, you have that opportunity to have that niche. If you're generalized, you're not going to have it. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, yeah, definitely. You definitely Def- agree? Definitely. That's, yeah, like 110%. having a community, that's what I love about it. So I'm glad that you do because now that you've been doing this for nine years and hopefully for the years to come, I would assume that you're going to, like, how many times do you, re- like, do you have an opportunity to retailer, meaning that you were tailored just to your community, but you know how people change, stuff yeah. changes. Did you change your tailoring in the future? Like, have you been yeah. changing every now and then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I it's 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 such a actually a really difficult thing that I, I it's always top of mind because uh, there are genres there are genres I lean to, right? And that those genres would be like emo hip hop. People would even say um, they describe my beats as being ethereal, so like real. Um, people have even said lo-fi. I don't see lo-fi. They say it's like lo-fi, some of the elements, because a lot of my music is not as hard as, for example, like the producers for like the baby, like or um, even like a more mainstream example. We can even like um, I don't know. It's just not really like it's not hardcore drill. It's not like, but it's it, it's really emotional sometimes, and there is a heavy bass in there. It's so. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I, I've changed it up, and also I'm I'm human too. Sometimes I open up my computer. I don't want to open. I don't want to make a emo rap beat, even though I love the genre. I'm just feeling something different. I want to mm-hmm. experiment, and so um, I'm still discovering how. The ideally, what I want to get to is a point in my career where whatever I make, even if it's jazz, mm-hmm. people can hear elements of my production, and they're like, oh, even if I didn't tag the beat. People could be like, "Oh, Ominous made that," and that would be. That's your personality, right? Yeah. Yes, I. Yes, so you already have a personality, community, and everything, and it's tailored. Yeah, I can definitely tell you've been doing this for nine years. Because anybody who's been doing this for six months, it doesn't normally happen. Yeah. And and speaking about personality, how long have you kept that like quote unquote personality? Because I know, um, have you changed it in the past? Was it remain consistent for these nine years? Like. Yeah. Um. So I, I originally wanted to be something like ambient music style, something like that. Uh, but the acronym stands for AMS, mm-hmm. and I think that's a medical disease. Uh, I got to double check. I got to. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you if it is, if it's not. I yeah, I, I think it is. I got it. But I remember when I mentioned it at a party, my buddy was like, "Hey yo, like that's a disease," and I said, "Well." Now I don't want to be that. I don't want to. So, well, I mean, was that individual within the industry? Was he a client, a customer, or just some random guy out there? He was just some random guy, but uh, well, he's a friend. He's a friend. He's a friend. He wasn't just a random drunk guy at a party, but um, he was a friend. And then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, you know, I even if, so, 
And then I thought, okay, ambience probably a little too generic for me. Like I, um, so I want it to be ominous, melancholic style because, uh, depression and I, we have this little dance going on and maybe that could be part of the name. But then I sold it to an Uber driver one day and then he was trying to type my, my name in and I was like, God, this is long. So, <laughs> so I, so I you went to ominous style, right? Uh, ominous music style. Yeah. Okay. And still kind of long, but I mean, no, but it's, 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 it's doable. It's doable. A little easier on the ear, right? Yeah. Not just easier in the ear, but to basically write it on your own. Cause if you go in like, uh, a, a weird name and he's like, how do you spell it? And I'm like, ah, oh. like that's, that means that whenever you have a conversation in the future with other people, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. And chances are they're not going to find you because yeah. they, they don't even know how to spell it. And you know how Google is. Facts. There's billions of websites and billions of, like, um, what's it called? Like, where it sounds about the same. Mm-hmm. And then therefore, they're definitely not going to find you. So that's, uh, you connect it to the audience. And, and what else, what, what would be another thing that you would say that has definitely helped you, you know, grow within this industry? Uh. Oh, two things. Consistency, which is kind of the no-brainer. So constantly creating, constantly listening. Also, okay, like three things. Consistency with the work and then the intention, but also giving yourself the freedom to take breaks. Like I've taken breaks from music. I've taken entire breaks like for three months because my computer broke a few years ago. I didn't have the money to fix it. And so I just had to take a break. There's just nothing I could do. Um, So being consistent, staying with that intention of, I'm creating, you know, I don't know where I'm going on this path, but I, I want, I keep telling myself I want to be heard. And then years went by and it's like, I want to connect with others. And then now where I'm at in my life and my personal life, I want to make an impact. That's the thing that's in the back of my head. And then I'll say other big advice is you don't know what you don't know. YouTube tutorials, all that stuff is great. Find somebody whom you respect who you get along with, who you don't mind paying, go to that engineer, whatever it is. If you want to learn piano more, singing, for me, it was better production. I wanted to get better at my mixing, my sound engineer work. So I approached a guy at a studio, which, by the way, um, it's a studio in Austin. I re- really recommend Dub Academy, shout out. Um, <laughs> my, my buddy, uh, Brett, yeah, he, um, I, I started taking engineering lessons for him. And that, in of itself... Like those private one-on-one lessons really helped me elevate my craft because you don't know what you don't know, and it's a blessing to have a mentor, even if you got to pay for it. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, mentorship-wise, I feel that there's a lot of things. It's so underrated nowadays. A lot of people want to figure out things on their own, and I understand that. Other people just pay other professionals to do the work for them. Mm. I would prefer a mentor. Yeah. yeah, like you're paying him, and he's doing some work for you. But at the same time, I feel like it's really good to have surface knowledge at least to have a really good idea. Because let's be honest here, you you wear all the hats, right? Yeah. So when you outsource, is it fair to say that you know when it's fair pricing? Like, you know whether he's ripping you off or not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like when you're outsourcing, you ha- like, for example, there was a time I was building websites. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, it's been a long time, so I don't feel like my, my skills are what they used to be. But whenever I come to someone and say, hey, man, can you help me build a website? I can tell whether they're just using a website builder like WordPress or Wix and they're charging you as a professional 
but they're not actually professionals. And they're charging you $500 for it. And that's a ripoff in a way, yeah. right? Now, obviously, Born to Hustle, the podcast is to respect the hustle. So if I met somebody who does that and that's how he's making money, then you got to respect the hustle, right? I mean, at the end of the day, he's still giving. Because when it comes to, there's two things you can do. Either you sacrifice your time so you can spend the money, okay, making the money like that, or you are sacrificing somebody else's time, but you're like you're sacrificing your money for you to save time. So it's like a little cycle. Either you pay somebody to do it, and you're saving yourself time, or you have to spend the time so you can make the money for it. So it just goes back and forth in that little circle. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that me understanding, me respecting that little hustle, but I know. More or less, and I can even look at the website, and I can look back to the CCS and HTML and Java because I, I know surface knowledge from the three of them. So I know whether he actually did a website builder, and then sometimes they import it to another to another builder, and sometimes they do embeddeds and stuff like that, and it looks legit. But I can tell when it's actually legit or not. Yeah, I can even tell if it was built by Dreamweaver, which is a the Adobe version of website creation. So, um. And stuff like that. So you being in that aspect, have you ever had a an instance where you were outsourcing and you can tell more or less about if they're trying to rip you off or they're not ripping you off? Like, what's the story that you can give me? Yeah, I, I um, I definitely have. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it, I I'm very very fortunate because when I started outsourcing, I started with just a little budget, like ten dollars on Fiverr. And stuff like that. And then I, I was like, oh, okay. Some people, I would ask them things. Uh, let's see, what was one? Vi uh, visual visual promos were one. Mm -hmm. And so I was starting with a budget of $10, $50, some cases $100. And, um, but then, you know, you have some people overseas. And not to say that all overseas workers are like this. I've actually done incredible. Um, I worked with somebody on Upwork who did... Uh, from India who did incredible lead gen stuff like I have I literally have spreadsheets in my hard drive where I follow specific hashtags on Instagram and I have hundreds if not thousands of artists and they're segmented very detailedly um, very nice detailed just to, and it's not um, I use that to keep tabs try to keep tabs of what's happening and but to go back to your question um, those video promos sucked and uh, <laughs> I was like, well, this is what thirty dollars gets me. What was I? What was I expecting? And I just moved on. I, I, I know. I, I, I learned that for those, if I'm asking for something really creative, and I have a specific vision, then I really try to connect with that person and seeing if they're open to a Zoom call before, and I'll, and then in the Zoom call too, I'll tell them, hey, look, I'm willing to pay you more because I, I mean, not you know, if my budget's thirty, I can't do three thousand, but. You know, like I, I, I'll increase that price to something I can do, and I'll tell them my goals. Can you honestly do this? And I get a feel for how they're answering, mm -hmm. even if they're telling. And you know, you're, you're, you've done sales. You've, you've done. You know that when someone's just telling you what you want to hear, yeah, and your gut knows it, yeah. Or you want to see some type of proof, like a portfolio or, or credibility and stuff like that. At least that's what I ask now. And yeah. And some of them do, do. Some of them are legit, but they don't have the the way to build credibility because they don't know how. And unfortunately, for the for the sake of safety, I would have to turn them down. Yeah. Because you never know. There's some of them who are very, and you can tell, like the confidence that like you can pretend confidence, but you can tell when it's 
coming out naturally. Yeah. Because it's part of their attitude. It's part of their behavior. That's real confidence. Fake confidence is when they're just making a front and you can tell yeah. that yeah. they're using their body language to pretend a certain confidence, but confidence comes naturally. Yeah. Like you're like me, the way you're talking to me and you're telling me about the music production, I can see your body language and I can tell that you have a natural confidence that you know the industry because you're legit in the industry. Yeah, thank you, you know what I mean? Like I can ask you any questions and you're just going to answer very casually. And that's a difference right there. You, if you someone like, uh, I'll get back to you on that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if like, have you been doing this for such a long time? Um, I believe or I think those are key words. But if you talk to someone like, for instance, let's just say I want you to make music for me. What would be the first step? I would ask you what your what, what do you want? I mean, anything. I mean, I you know what I like. What's the word for it? I forgot the name of the genre. What is that thing where you do a lot of a lot of noises? Um, it sounds like a few of those. Uh, dumbstep. There dumb you step. go. Okay, okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah. it took me a minute. Did I have ADHD on steroids? So no, yes, no, it's okay. So dumbstep. Like if I would say, can, can you do dumbstep? I would say no. Okay. I, I would. I would honestly. And that's how I know yeah. you're legit because you're straight. Like someone who's not legit would be like, oh man, I can do, bro. I can do everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like no, you know, like me. that's a red flag already. So you're being honest with me, like nah. So, what would you tell me in response if I ask you for downstep? I would say I would I would try to get to know a little more about like what you were looking for specifically mm-hmm. in dubstep, and then I'd say, look, I got a few homies that they're great people. I really like their music. I'm not even a dubstep listener, but I like their music. I can refer, I can connect y'all. You know, I can give y'all a number. Like, you know, do you want to get coffee with them? Do you want their number? I'll just shoot them a, and then it'll be it'll be something like that. Okay. And then what if I tell you that I want something more ambience like let's just say a beat a beat yeah i would ask so then my next question would be what what's your intended use for the like are you trying to use it for like a promo are you trying is it like a like a corporate endeavor or is it like a personal? i would say more like a corporate slash party let's just say they were because I, I host events all okay. over san antonio and i have speakers and stuff like that and there'd be instances when they're networking but i also in the future i want to create more ambience not just about the colors, not just about the venue, because for me right now as an, as an event planner, the venue for me is very important. It needs to be a really nice place for a reason. I want people to feel like, wow, I'm attending here. Yeah. Like I want that experience. And also I want food, obviously, because uh, depending on the time, there and, and I want specifically for snacking. So you're not going to catch me giving people like burritos or some <laughs> plate of rice or like, right. you know, like I want it to be snacks. I want you to Tablets, have, because yeah. I want to, like, obviously, because if it's real eating, most people, including myself, when I eat, I want to sit down and eat. Same, same. Like, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be eating and talking at the same time. If I want to be doing that, then I might as well just take you guys in a restaurant. Yeah, that's true. That's so if true. I'm talking about like an open space venue, then... I wanted to be snacking fruits, grapes, vegetables. And I'm telling you all these details because if I do want something like that, then, you know, everything I'm assuming when it comes to ambience, everything must matter, right? Yeah. The venue is open. It's all beautiful. We're all going to be standing just having conversations. And then on top of that, we're going to have fruits. We're going to have snacks. We're going to have coffee and hot chocolate. That's important. Hot chocolate <laughs> is important. Yeah. Um, underrated. So, yes. Yeah. So, all of that combined, what kind of ambience would you say that you will create? Um, so 
based on what you're describing now, there, there are two routes, because I've had people come to me with this request. Um, actually, three routes. But since you have your own speakers, so sometimes when people approach and ask me this, if I'm in their town, I'm just like, hey, I have speakers. Just, you know, I'll come to your event, and then I'll be part of your event, and then my speakers are Bluetooth, and I just go and I have a playlist or whatever, and I set the vibe. Since you have speakers, uh, typically if somebody came to me, my mind would be like, oh, well, how about I just make you a playlist, and then one day you owe me a favor. And then the third option is, okay, I can make you a DJ set, like a one hour or two hour, and then we could talk, and then I'll, I'll break down the the details. And so the, the the Spotify playlist is more generic, right? And I and the music might be out there, but you may not vibe to it. But let's say you really want a tailored, like this is an event where it's important to you and you have a certain clientele and then you want it if we can achieve a level of detail where money makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if it was if it was something where like, hey, I'm gonna be hosting thirty events in the next year, these are my and then I just want music and you're my buddy, so I would say, oh, let me just make you a playlist and then give you some pointers on what is worth for me. But if you were like, no, this event right here is so important, I'm going to have these real estate people, and then you shared me their age and stuff, and we got down to demographics, then I can really sit there and make a whole one-hour set, two-hour set, where I incorporate elements of music that I know they like, and I can mix it with house or with lo-fi and just make it a whole vibe. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there you go. So for you guys listening, that's exactly more or less what a process would look like if you're requesting from David. And now, David, now that you're talking about, but now let's not, now let's shift the conversation differently because you went later specifically to someone like me. And I just wanted to test, your, like, going back to confidence, right? Like, hey. you just basically come up with it on the spot, and that's Joe's experience, in my opinion. Someone who doesn't really know anything will probably start looking at their computer and then trying to, like, more or less figure it out. So... What is the average request, like, coming from? Like, business owners, do you have other producers? Like, what is the what is the general request that you normally get most often within the month? Send free beats. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, right. So, no, um, yeah, no, I, I say it, and, and, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to the artists that say send free beats. There are artists that I really like and mm-hmm. I really want to work with and for them, it, for me, it makes sense for me to send them free stuff because they have a large following or they are very talented or I am willing to send something to them for free that I would normally charge other people for because if they make a song and it blows up, we have a relationship now and it's likely that they're going to want more of that kind of, especially if they had really good success. Okay, monetarily though, the big request I get these days is especially um, if I'm in Vancouver, Canada, which is really my home base with the artists that I work with, um, they'll ask me, when can I get in the studio? Like, I like your beats. I would like to record songs. And so I'm in the past year, I've been elevating my engineering, my sound engineering. So I'm getting to a point now where artists will message me, hey, I recorded this song. I would like you to come in and engineer all the elements, my voice, my recording, even the beat. I may have bought the beat from someone else. Get it to that professional level. And then I quote them what I quote them. And right now it's like a three-digit number and there's no negotiation. It's an upper three-digit number and there's no... That's where it starts at. 
No, that's that's actually that's actually what you have to do as a business owner. Eventually, you need to start being firm with the pricing, or else you're gonna have individuals who are not gonna take you that seriously. Yeah. And you have to be stern. I know exactly what you mean. Is either there's sometimes I do the elevation pitch. Have you heard of that before? Elevation pitch. Yeah. Uh, there's different versions of it, but uh, in this version, because elevation pitch can be also like a quick introduction, like Born to Hustle is basically a podcast about identifying what ignited the hustle for individual business owners. Well, and, and it's exactly what we're talking about, right? Another type of elevation pitch that I've learned uh, in sales was you start at a specific pricing expecting the customer to negotiate. And I'll give you an example on Facebook Marketplace. So whenever, when I was in Tennessee, my side my side hustle was selling cars and motorcycles. Nice. And I just, uh, my best friend was a mechanic. And I'm not a mechanic, but I was mechanically abled. So I know how to go to YouTube, watch 40,000 videos, and then just do it myself kind of deal. So on that aspect, what I did was, let's just say I remember this motorcycle. It was a black Honda something. I forgot the name of it. It's been such a long time. It was back in 2020. And I remember I put $4,000 as the base price, even though I spent around $2,800. And some people may say like, whoa, that's a $2,000 difference. Well, the reality is I knew people were going to be like, hey, man, I got 3000 Deal. <laughs> or like, hey, man, I got $3,500. i am like, you know what, bro? Just for you, I'm going to give you a $500 discount. Even though that was actually not true. Yeah. Realistically, I spent $2,800 after cleaning it and making it all beautiful. It came out like $3,100. So as long as it was within above $3,100, I was fine. I was happy with it. Yeah. I got my return of investment and some more. So that's one different type of elevation pitch where you, let's just say your services are 300 you're like, hey man, for you, eight hundred dollars. Mm, can we do five hundred? Of course, we can do five hundred because you're still winning at that at that price point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. Yeah, yeah. It it it's it's crossed my mind. Yeah, it's, like yeah. legit. You on purpose, you put a high price, expecting them to start negotiating. Like, whoa, that's expensive. It's like, oh, what what would you think will be fair? I would say, you know, let's just say it's a thousand dollars. Like, I would say. 700 okay you know what dude i like you we build a relationship everything that we talked about stuff like that let's do it for 700 that's one good way that's called the elevation pitch yeah so one of them is the most and, and normally that price you don't exaggerate it just to exaggerate it you actually put the highest price based on the most you can get like the most you can get so some individuals are okay making paying for that high price like okay, like the four thousand dollars and that's fine because that's the highest I could actually sell it, realistically yeah. speaking. Other people are going to do competitive pricing. No, I'm going for the highest. Yeah. Because I know eventually they're going to start. I know people will try to negotiate, and that's fine. So I will go for the highest that I can make, and then people will start negotiating the price, and that is fine. Because it's better to, I would say that it's harder to say, you know what, my my real price is six hundred dollars, and then people are negotiating with the six hundred dollars. Yeah, and now you're basically now the negotiation because negotiation is I will give you something, but I'm taking something back. Yeah, right. So they're giving you let's just say the negotiations to lower the price. Well, who's doing the taking? Are you taking something, or is he taking something from you? In your instance, it could be the commission side of the aspect. That how much can I actually take home? Yeah, you know what I mean. 
So that's just something to think about. So hopefully that will help you because I know in, in regards to pricing, that's something that a lot of individuals don't know about. Like how do I price myself? Well, you can either do the wholesale pricing, retail pricing. Retail pricing is normally based on like what would be competitive. And then it could be like the full retail, like the full, like at full price, like the most you can get out of it. Yeah. So that's something to think about. So additionally speaking, we're almost, you know, on time. I hope that you and okay. I had a great conversation and enjoyed, enjoyed it. And Thank what you. would be something else that you want to add before we end this, uh, before we end this? Yeah. Um, you know what? Um, so yeah, my name is David, David Chavetta, uh, ominous music style. You can follow me. You can type that in anywhere and it'll come up. Instagram, Spotify. Um, I would say, hey, I'm a big advocate of love. Uh, love for oneself, first and foremost, before you can love back to the world. Give love back to the world. I would say to all the aspiring artists, even my, even aspiring producers, my competitors, like this music thing, art in of itself is a journey. And it's really helped me learn myself and um, experience uh, the world and and um so i say be patient with yourself um and um yeah just all love you know all love you know what me talking to you i just have one last question yeah yeah how did you even get started like i know you kind of told me about it but like tell it to me again but more like a like in a way where i even i can get started if, if i want to okay like what kind of software do you use what kind of like and and start to generalize it like what would be you know what for anybody who wants to be doing what David is doing, what would be like in a small advice for you that you can give them for them to get started? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, so I guess the very first thing is if you have a computer, first thing you want to have a computer. If you don't have a, a strong computer yet, that's okay. You know, work with what you got. If you don't got a computer, do it on your phone. Type in music production software for whatever your device is. So if all you got is a phone, music production software for your phone iPad, same thing. Computer, same thing. Um, if you have a Mac, which is what I have, uh, GarageBand is a solid, solid software. I used it for a long time. Um, I personally, over the years, I've, I've done a, I've done a lot of them, but right now I use Ableton Live. I have the full version, which is like almost a thousand dollars, but uh, the basic version I believe is about eighty dollars. And uh, I would say start there. Don't try to generalize. Uh, just as you were saying. Um, start with something you like. Like if you like jazz music, don't chase hip hop just because you want to make money. That's not it. Start with some jazz. If you're a real musician, figure out a way to, you know, maybe get a microphone, whether it's a USB that connects to your laptop or research the different types of microphones. Uh, do music production, you end up becoming a little bit of a, a, a tech junkie because you have to figure out how things work. You have to learn basic stuff, just like connecting stuff to your computer. It Sometimes you got to read these manuals and it sucks, but you got to do it. And so I would say, look up the basic stuff. Don't go in spending a lot of money thinking it's going to make you good because I've been humbled by 15-year-olds using their phone. So um, yeah, um, start with basic, start small, start with something you like. YouTube is great. There are a lot of resources on the internet. And then if you follow me on Instagram, Ominous Music Style, just send me a DM. I'm happy to give direction wherever I can. Okay, that's awesome. And and not just to end it, 
anything else do you want to promote? 30 seconds to promote anything at all. Um, it could be yourself. It could be a business. It could be a sponsor. It could be anything else. Like, you have 30 seconds. Anything at all. Anything. Uh, just ominous music style. Hoorah. Yeah. That's awesome. Topo Chico, maybe, because I drink them every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. All right, man. I appreciate you coming here, and I appreciate everything that you... I appreciate the insight, because I, I, I know there's many people who... If there's a statistic that I've learned as a as a mentor with score is that um, there's many people who want to start a business. There's a lot of dreamers. And obviously, to start is the hardest part. But even starting is a lot harder than people give credit to because the learning curve is intimidating. I'm not going to lie to you. I went through the same thing. And obviously, the more people that are going to be in this podcast, they're gonna see, there's going to be a pattern. And that is... You just got to start, but the start does suck. I'm not yeah. going to lie. But once you start and you get into it, I'm hoping that all you got to do is just stick with it. Like it gets easier, but the hardest part is sticking with it. Because even if it gets easy, the hardest part is still sticking with it. Yeah. Because there's just so many cool things that you can do in this world. And to just be something is the hardest part sometimes. Yeah. Because you're wearing multiple hats. Yeah, yeah, and sticking with like you're sticking with one. And the reason I'm assuming you're consistent with it is because you have a specific goal. Yeah, yeah. and you stick with that goal. And individual people are gonna have different goals, and that alone is already gonna change the game. Even even if they follow your footsteps, they're gonna dramatically be in a different position than you. Like even maybe they somehow become really good at like um not at the cloud engine like the sound engineering kind of deal, but maybe the singing. Maybe they want to sing and yeah. they start picking up the skill. And then before you knew it, there's just now there's just a singer and not a sound engineer as they originally intended. So that's the beauty about this world, in my opinion. That's the beauty about yeah. getting into the hustle. You Two things are going to happen. Either you build a successful career and a successful business, or you are successful, or you just learn some really good stuff. Yeah, that's true. You're not really losing. You know what I mean? Like, let's just say you stop making money in, this, in the music industry. You have learned some really good skills. That's true. Yeah. That's a really, some, really solid perspective. Yeah. You're going to learn. You learn some really good stuff. So let's just say you want to do a different passion. Like, let's just say you just want to be a creator. you got the skills. You have more than just, you have more than the, the ability to do so. So... For those of you listening, just get started. That's it. Yeah. We're wrapped. So thank you for coming to Pondo yeah, Hustle. This is Rohan Carrion. This is David. And I appreciate you for coming here, buddy. Hoorah. Right. Thank you.